Hello and welcome back to the latest Think Business podcast powered by Bank of Ireland. Having lit up the internet in recent weeks, ChatGPT signals a new chapter in the artificial intelligence arms race in tech, but also portends new challenges for how we work, how we study and more. Bank of Ireland's head of tech, media and telecoms, Paul Swift, explains what ChatGPT is and how businesses should be organising themselves around this new epoch for technology. Paul, you're very welcome. Um, over Christmas, it was like the web exploded all around the potential of ChatGPT and you know, it's like our artificial intelligence overlords had come to visit or the matrix had begun and suddenly people were talking about everything from writing poetry and music to getting those nasty reports that need to get done, uh, done so through, through this artificial intelligence. Um, strikes me though that it's still a rough diamond. Microsoft is rumoured to be interested in, in investing in it. Um, you know, some people are saying this could be as you know, the death knell for Google. Um, I still think it's quite early days for this, but would it be fair to assume that Chat GPT represents the beginning of automation that we've been talking about for so long in the in, in the workplace? Well, I suppose I'm sorry, John. Happy New Year to you first and foremost, and great to talk to you again. Excited to be back. Um look, it's been a fascinating few weeks, John. Uh you know, there's like this is not the first AI chatbot that's ever been developed, right? I suppose that's the first thing to say, and there's others that are out there in the ether. But I think it's just that it, it is, to your point, it exploded when it was launched late November. And I mean, it's fascinating to see the various uses of kind of what people are using chat, uh, GPT for. Um, mm-hmm. Again, to your point about essays and everything around poetry. Um, look, I think the key thing here is it's all about the data, really, in terms of when you're saying about, you know, in terms of the limitations. The data that actually it's been trained upon is only really up to date, and they've been openly openly saying this OpenAI who've created the the uh, the chat G, uh, GPT that um that it's actually up to kind of it's relevant to twenty twenty one. So that's the first thing. There's going to be some limitations to that, but certainly I think it is potentially. When I've seen this, I've been thinking that this is almost like the the actual real AI kind of revolution has truly begun for the masses because mm-hmm. it's you know for now it's actually it's it's free to access it. So all you need is essentially a kind of a, to just get on and register through OpenAI, and then you can pretty much ask the you know ask it whatever you like. Uh, I think from a kind of workflow point of view, and I can see why Microsoft would be interested in it because you could apply this, you could use this for various kind of uses around your PowerPoint. I mean, the, mm. the, imagine if you're actually you know doing a presentation tomorrow and you're saying, look, I want to kind of do a PowerPoint presentation on on uh, writing content for um for Think Business and. All the way, all, all of a sudden, you know, all of a sudden, you'll actually have a fantastic kind of PowerPoint presentation up in front of you, uh, and similarly for actually other content. So I suppose I'm not saying your job days are numbered, John, but certainly um, <laughs> there are there is fear, there is some fears, but I think you know I've always been one to say, look, you know, the world will evolve further, and you know these kind of tools and robotic tools, I always believe are there to support us because the key thing here to to remember, it can think and it can feel. And I can't actually, we're still some way off in terms of actually, you know, it's, it's this time is quite amazing what it can do. But in terms of making strategic decisions, nuance about not, about people's feelings and stuff about how to manage people, et cetera, manage situations on a one-to-one personal basis, we're still some way off about that. So this, I again, like many other tools, I see it as being a tool to support, to help efficiencies and, you know, lower costs. I don't necessarily see it being a massive kind of, uh, you know, the, the fear factor that, you know, it's going to completely reduce, you know, certainly people, uh, 
you know, people's interventions. I think definitely, yes, it's helping automate and it's a, it's a welcome, uh, you know, a kind of tool in that regard. But we're some way off the complete automation as yet. Because that's the thing. I mean, uh, you know, when the Wright brothers first learned how to fly, uh, that was great. It showed, showed us that we could make a machine fly. Uh, sadly, within two decades of that, uh, the machines were used as weapons and and then uttered in the jet age. And now we take uh, jet travel for, for, for granted. Uh, if you think about the workplace of today, it would be unrecognisable to somebody 30 years ago. Not not just because most people are now working from home and in a hybrid way, but the very tools we have are almost alien to people from, say, 30 years ago. From you know, Just if you think about everything that's been achieved, mainly through companies like Microsoft who have made you know, productivity a much uh, more accessible thing and the cloud alone is revolutionary. Um, but, but do you see this the signal of a new age in computing from the point of view that it's a, it's a step up in just how we will evolve and how we do things. You know, it might seem chat GPT seems quite uh, new and it, but it's not it's not it's not it's not a finished product. It's it's far from perfect, um, but it's the start of something, right? It is. I mean, I think again, if you just imagine this, this has been built on essentially like I think one hundred and seventy five billion parameters and massive amounts of gigabytes of of, of, of kind of, of text and stuff in terms of actually uh, to kind of train it what it is. And you're right, it does have limitations, but it, I think it's it just shows that in terms of AI in action, in terms of what it can do, is the big the big factor I think that people need to see here that, that the opportunity that that exists with it. But you're right, I mean and and, and it like it was it was trained on text the next Variation. Now, there is a DALI one, which is kind of which is very in terms of around imagery and a good produce images. That was another piece of kind of, I suppose technical that Open AI, Open AI have developed. But I think on uh, you know you're, today, I think for those who are using it, and it's all over the papers and it's all over the press, and various fora are all talking about different uses and some some of the most bizarre kind of we say questions have been asked, and it's actually coming back with um you know I suppose with uh, with, with 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 plausible answers, and I think. The plausible part is, is the key here because I, I've seen there's been some clinicians have used it as well to see could they, uh, you know, one particular clinician, I think in the US, use it as a use chat GPT to kind of support his case for somebody that needed essentially to be the insurance company to pay for one of his patients to, to essentially be to get an operation. Turns out when you when you it, it came back very plausible and the data and everything else was, but some of the stuff because it's it's not entirely kind of we say, how, how do you call um managed in terms of the way it's been put together mm. uh some of the stuff that was kind of it came back very plausible but wasn't entirely right as i suppose what i'm saying here and i think it just shows what the capability is but it has some way to go to really be able to kind of deliver kind of the actual definite kind of definitive answers you know that um that people would be looking for it but i think it's just more about a statement in time of like this is where the world is going mm. and it's actually again it's open to the masses which i think to me definitely it's, it's the fact that it's kind of it's almost commoditization of AI, John, to an average person yeah. can use it. I think that's, that's, and I think that may be scary for some. To me, it's exciting. It's exciting. The other part of it, sorry, John, just also to say, is the ethical use of it. I think that's the worry I would slightly have. I mean, they know, they know themselves, they're using a moderating kind of app to kind of, to try, you know, to, to, to kind of reduce potential for harmful content to be disseminated from it. But they recognize because it's still relatively, you know, early days for it, that they, it may give up kind of harmful or, or um, uh, you know, inappropriate answers to some questions. But um, 
I think the ethical use of it over time, and I think because it could it could help in kind of dissemination of of, of fake news and kind of mis- disinformation, really. But but I think in 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 the wider sphere of things, I think is exciting for what it can do, and I think. It, it, again, it's a tool for efficiency and support people doing their day-to-day jobs. And the interesting thing is, I mean, you know, like when you think about it uh, the, in, the, in the history of computing, there's always been something about commoditization of the of these things. Like if you think about the computer in the 1950s, it took up an entire room. And I think IBM at the time envisioned, envisioned it as a, as a kind of a calculator that could, you know, help, a, uh, you know, people with their, their shopping lists. Uh, to suddenly then, you know, you had the 90s and then you had, you know, you had Apple with it, with its computer. You had the personal computer. Uh, you had the Pentium in the 90s, you know, Every single step along the way, you you know, you had the iPod in the year 2000 morphed into the uh, iPhone in 2007. You know, you have all these different step changes. Uh, What do you think this will do for the tech industry? So on one hand, you know, it's all quite exciting and people are trying to draw conclusions that, oh, this could mean the end of Google, for example. You know, I I would argue, you know, what happens typically from what I've seen in the tech industry is that Google will come along with something just as competitive in its own way. And it'll be a right, you know, Fox will be in the hen house then you know what I mean the, the gloves are off uh, do, do you think this will this will get the tech industry to kind of like you know step up in a new way that it won't just be open AI and Microsoft that somebody else will have something else to compete with this um, it'll change our entire relationship with computing and again you know we won't be buying personal computers who knows we might be buying quantum computers yeah, it's an interesting I suppose view of the world I think for me, I think this really brings data into sharp focus. All right. I think that's the key here because it's all about, and I think for businesses now, you're going to actually see like being able to, the whole idea of chat GPT was to be able to actually really interrogate and go back into kind of like gazillion files and, you know, available data that's on the internet. That's what's mm. been trained upon and to be able to kind of take in various sources and actually make plausible answers to it. But it's fundamentally about data. And I think yes. for me, that's the key here is actually, I think the big part of it is, is very much around the data piece. And I think it's going to it's going to re- very much reinforce almost the kind of the the need for businesses really to be able to have to be able to interrogate and, and, and kind of be able to extrapolate data and be able to use data you know, to really inform decisions. I think this tool, my view of it potentially I could see is that for different industry sectors, you're probably going to see like it's. Right, it's free for now, but I think we are going to see an enterprise or a premium, you know, version of this very quickly coming on stream. And I think you'll probably see different sectors then having a specific, almost like a corpus of data, massive amounts of data to do with healthcare or massive mm. data to do with sports marketing or whatever the case may be, and actually helping businesses then to be able to kind of refine and to be able to build kind of, I suppose, build upon their own data using kind of, you know, I suppose, open source or data that's available on the internet to kind of reinforce their own decision making and to, you know, to, around things like personalization of content or personalization in healthcare or personalization in insurance market there's so much there's really an infinite amount of uses for it i think to your point about if there's others there's no doubt there's all there's already you know ai kind of we say chatbots out there already so it's not the first as i said earlier but i think what it is doing it's putting into sharp focus i don't remember something blowing up you know in the ether we say around technology development anything like chat gpt has done in the last number seven four or five weeks since it's come on stream and been launched so i think if anything i'd say there's a probably Notwithstanding the stuff that's going on, you know, in the tech sector globally at the moment, I think it's probably there's going to be a a lot of business executives out there kind of saying, right, they need to, to your point, come up with kind of a similar one and to kind of get out there in the marketplace. Because 
the the average Joe is seeing this now in terms of what I can do. And so you want to have a plethora of other kind of other providers trying to come up with competing products. I, I think the biggest world will be accuracy uh, in, in the sense that, you know, these these tools and you've seen it with hackers you've seen it with all kinds of, of of situations you've seen it in wars misinformation hacking attacks you know we saw the the cambridge analytica situation there uh, about you know 6 years ago i think um so so like the the people will create the technology with the best of intentions they can't control what people will do with those technologies um you know we could see the start of a kind of a, an artificially intelligent arms race from the point of view of companies obviously trying to outsell each other but then again when it gets into the hands of ordinary people or maybe people with, with bad intents and intentions uh it'll, it'll create a whole plethora of issues won't it oh, there's already happening john there's already uh, numerous um i suppose threat actors if you will are already using it there's all there's been evidence of already of business you know in terms of information that's been disseminated uh, and various kind of hackers trying to use to scam it, to use ChatGPT, you know, in terms of scamming, you know, various kind of vulnerable marketplace and vulnerable people, etc. So there's no doubt about it. I mean, as any new technology or any new kind of, there's a kind of novel, you know, piece of tech that's coming out nowadays, there's always going to be somebody who's going to try and exploit it. So I think the key here really is for, there I say the kind of the like the companies like OpenAI who are creating it, they they are actually using the moderation app in terms of against harmful harmful content. Mm-hmm. But with the ex, I suppose the explosion really in, in in cyber threats of one form or another, um, you're going to have that anyway, and you're going to have people try to use that now as as, as different forms of, of of opportunities to actually um to exploit people, be it through various kind of means through ransomware or, or, or any amount of other uh, use that could happen. But definitely there's already activity going on in terms of actually kind of a, from a, from a, a kind of a, a, an illegal format of using the technology as we speak. Ireland um, is home to every one of these companies that will in one way or another play a part in this revolution. You know, you've got all the data centers, we've got the software giants, we have a, you know, a small but feisty startup ecosystem. Um, how do you think Ireland should kind of position itself? Like we went, if you think about it, uh, I, was, I was reading an article the other day about TK Whitaker and, you know, policy decisions that were made in the 60s took us from being this kind of, protectionist uh economic backwater to be now we've got you know nine out of ten of the biggest tech companies in the world here you know we've got google there in dublin with nine thousand employees uh you know it's 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 phenomenal whether we we, you know we, we we sometimes talk ourselves down because we may be a small population but we've really um you know you know really rose above us when it comes to just sheer scale and having the concentration of tech here how do you think we should be organising ourselves to be kind of front and centre for this new epoch or this new age in computing? Good question, John. I suppose, yeah, you know, I, I suppose I have a background in working with the, one of the, aid, the government agencies in terms of, mm. you know, I suppose working with multinationals. And I think uh, I think Ireland is very much, we. I think the pro-business uh, culture that we have here, and I suppose, the success, you, know, you know, from successive governments over many decades now, pursuing that kind of approach has has borne fruit for Ireland. Now there's there's those who will say like we should be spending more or investing more in startups and I, I, I can understand people might have issues with that, but I think, certainly think that the agglomeration effect that's created by having I suppose pursuing those policies over many decades has created, 
you know, we have the a- Apple here for 40 or I think, is it 40, maybe 50 years now almost? I'd say, yeah, 50. Yeah. 1980, 1980 they came to Cork, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's and, and have grown exponentially over the years. And I suppose we've we've had many different kind of iterations. I mean, if you look at digital when they were first in Clamell and Galway, if you look around the amount of people I've met throughout my career who are, I say, digital alumni is, is astonishing. Mm. And I spoke to to a, to a former senior guy in, in, in digital one time and I was saying this to him about the amount of people I met. And he said, well, they used to be sent on in way ahead of many other companies onto the campuses right around the country to kind of to hire the best kind of top three percent of talent in kind of in, in, in essentially computer science. And so they it really created an absolute almost like an ecosystem in and of itself. For of very very bright people working together, and I suppose they've gone on. Many of those went on to run. Like Jim O'Hara would have been one of those. Would have been, you know would have been built Intel many months ago, and numerous others have gone on to mm. build. I suppose fantastic. You know, I suppose contribute to Ireland's technology system. And on top of that, they then roll. I suppose would have managed the Hewlett Packers that came later, and various others. You know, businesses that came came to Ireland. And now what we have, the next iteration would have been the Googles, the Facebooks, etc., or Meta as we are as they're called now. And again. It's all the time it's bringing global management practice, the brightest and the best working together. And I think it's it's really kind of spawned a capability among kind of Irish leadership and management that have gone on then to, and many guys have said, and ladies have gone on and run and kind of in terms of creating their own startups. So I think the model itself and actually encouraging foreign investment in here, I think stacks up. I think the multiple effects, I mean, there are arguments now with kind of with what's coming in with OECD next year in terms of the 15% is going to reduce kind of exchequer returns. But that's mm. coming on the back of very, very kind of, I suppose, very strong returns in recent years. But I do think that certainly the kind of what we're where we are, I think we, we, we continue to, I suppose, to be the location of choice for many international HQs of global players. Notwithstanding, I suppose, there is issues at the minute with regard to, uh, I suppose, the job losses. But I think the reality of it is, I suppose, we were, you know, we see this as very much a correction in terms of, uh, you know, the, the play that's going on at the minute. Uh, mm. And I suppose it, what we would see over time is those businesses will kind of stabilise and, it, you know, and will be in hopefully growth mode over the next, you know, year or two again, uh, because very much, they're very much part of the digital economy. So it, it is, I suppose, um, that's, we're not going anywhere. That's going to be where we're going to yeah. be, you know, we're only going to expand further into the digital economy as we go forward. So I think the, that policy, I think, stacks up for me uh, and I think I suppose really and we've seen growth in Enterprise Ireland too so they kind of in terms of Irish indigenous businesses in recent years you know I, I suppose a benefit too in terms of because a lot of actually uh, executives who've come from a lot of the multinational sector have actually spawned and actually kind of created businesses on the back of their experiences uh, in multinational so I think all in all you know the policy has been uh, pursued over decades I think has worked and continues suppose, and makes a very strong return to the exchequer figures each year. And that's the thing, I mean, uh, you know, not stepping too far away from chat GPT, but the current situation with the tech industry, I mean, the fact of the matter is tech is so ingrained in everything. And if anything, the industry was due a correction many, many years ago. Um, I was just thinking the other day that it's kind of almost like a, a mirror juxtaposition on probably what happened around the year 2000 when you know, a lot of the dot-com crash happened and a lot of these IPO'd companies and funded companies had gone down. And funnily enough, it was the IBMs and the HPs and the Microsofts. They just continued doing their thing. And now we've got this situation kind of an almost mirror opposite where those companies who expanded through the pandemic 
uh, are you know and are taking the pain now. But here's an opportunity for our indigenous companies and our startups. Like someone said to me once, if 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 a, if a large company expanded in Dublin, somewhere somewhere in Dublin, a a startup founder would be crying inwardly because they they'd have under pressure to get their staff to stay and not go go and work in the in the in the multinational. Uh, do you think this is an opportunity for indigenous companies now? While, while all this is going on, to kind of like well, here you know we can get someone to get the talent in now, and we can actually finally maybe get state to realise that this is a really important sector from an indigenous perspective, not just from an FDI perspective. Oh, hundred percent. I think, and there's there's I suppose this proactive uh, you know engagement going on as we speak. Uh, Tech Ireland that org actually conducted a a survey, and I suppose around uh, around mid November, and actually you know to many of its members around the country to see who was actually still hiring and many of them came back and detailed the various roles they're trying to hire at the minute and had, had been struggling to hire and I think that's so the first thing first I suppose indigenous industry are continuing businesses are continuing to hire that's the first thing the second thing here is actually which is really important you've got a lot of you know sad notes not not, not making light of it at all because it's sad for anyone losing their job but a lot of the people losing jobs have fantastic transferable skills, all right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the key thing. You know, they're you, you know the the technology vernacular, technology lexicon, call it what you want, of actually understanding an international business, how they speak and how they engage around product development, around a whole plethora of kind of we say digital kind of launch of technologies and digital marketing, etc., and content. All of these things that are core really to kind of modern businesses. They've got the skills, they've got the experience, they will be add enormous value to Irish businesses. I think also it has been a struggle for a lot of businesses. I have one customer would have told me that they spent they waited nearly eight weeks last year to for a for a you know a, a person they were hiring to join the firm. And they only joined on a Monday and resigned on a Tuesday because they were gotten a better, even though they've they'd offered them a very good deal, they were struggling with comparing um Mm-hmm. Comparing what what they kind of we say the 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 the, uh, the package that you would get from a multinational, and so like there was that struggle. That's not to say that they won't still be the multinational will continue to hire. There's no doubt there'll be certain roles they'll have to continue to hire. But I definitely think that the the almost like very tense competition that existed uh, in 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 the marketplace, you know, up to kind of the end middle of last year. At least if that if it creates a bit of a bit of buoyancy back around numbers and and less kind of competition, it'll be great for Irish businesses. There's no doubt there is there is a demand there, and I think if anything, it will kind of because I think John, the key thing to to remember here too is Motorola when they shut down in Cork many years ago, it was it was a calamity at the time for Cork, but also it was a massive opportunity, and there was many many new businesses were formed and created on the back of because people one kind of it, it almost like. It caused them to think, do you know what? I'd like to, I've been wanting to do my own business for years. Now this is kind of the impetus for me to do it. And there are others then who might have seen something where there was an opportunity, went and created, and there's a lot of new businesses created. So it's, it, you know, there, and, and, there's, and to be fair to Enterprise Ireland, there is fantastic support there now for, for business, you know, you know, through commercial, commercialization funds and startup funds and, and the HPSU, you know, in terms of the, the framework through which kind of new businesses, you know, high, high potential businesses operate through. So I think it's a huge opportunity. I think, I, I think again, we are, as I said earlier, we're immersed in a digital economy. We're not going back. So again, these things, as I said earlier, 
this is probably a correction with the multinationals, but I would definitely say an opportunity for indigenous businesses to maybe to tap into kind of hiring at the moment. And also just to be aware, if you look, Ryanair announced 150 roles before Christmas, all technology roles around digital content marketing, digital, a whole plethora again of, of, of digital roles. And similarly, uh, EY announced, you know, the creation of 900 roles uh, at the end of last year. And many, many of those roles, you know, too, are, are technology based. So there, we are going to see more businesses actually kind of, and you know, it's not all, all is not lost. The pure tech businesses may be kind of in, in kind of correction mode, but there are a lot of traditional businesses that are migrating into kind of tech model, tech, to become a more technology enabled. And those businesses that would, would, you know, would usually be, would benefit enormously to be able to tap into the skill set of some of those people, sadly, who've lost their jobs. And just returning to chat GPT, um, if you're a business, an ordinary business, you could be an SME or you could be a corporate or, or whatever size business you are, what advice would you have for a business trying to make sense of these new tools and how would they go about or should they go about assessing them, maybe finding a use for them in their company? What would you be your advice to a business that says, right, there's a there's a big change coming. Technology is just taking another quantum leap here. Uh, how do we make sense of this chat GBT thing? Or, or also, you know, I don't want my staff maybe misusing it either for, you know, doing, you know, trying to find shortcuts with work, for example. Oh well, uh, that's a good question. I mean, there's there's lots of evidence out there already of of students uh, actually submitting papers in the last number of weeks that have actually been created exclusively by ChatGPT. So so there's there's definitely evidence again how it could be I suppose misused if you will. I think the key thing here, John, is like every tool that's coming on stream. This one is particularly getting in all, an, all, an awful lot of airplay. I think it's important for businesses, first and foremost, don't get left behind. I think it's like everything. I mean, you know, you will, you will test and you will try and test various new tools or you'll get, you know, go talk to your kind of service. Like businesses, we say, you know, small engineering companies or small businesses or small, you know, uh, firms of professional service, whatever. Uh, they too maybe have already got a managed services provider who they've outsourced their IT function to who looks after their connectivity and you know I suppose that sells them the, new, the latest or what, the, the newest upgrades of whatever technology is out there I think certainly talk to their you know their technology partners and their providers but I, I definitely think they should like obviously be testing it and going and looking at it I think it's very very useful to see that this is where kind of the technology is evolving to I think it's it'd be very useful to kind of to actually ask it some interesting questions that are maybe I suppose causing issues or problems for CEOs or managing directors or whatever at the moment. Be it you know what market should a small engineering business we say be targeting that sells this type of product? Who knows? There could be some some insights that will come out even if they're dated to twenty twenty one. They may offer some really good insights. I think the key thing here is not to completely become driven by it or living by it I think the key thing it's another tool it's a tool in your armory I mean certainly I think things like you know identifying specific niches for marketplace I think is would be everybody wants to sell every business is in business to sell to customers and to find you know to expand within their customers or find new markets or new customers and I think it could kind of really you know bring the kind of porters by forces model to life for a lot of businesses and say how do we kind of you know launch into new markets or this is our product because it, it, there's there's a lot of insight to be gleaned from it. I think it's just kind of, you know, 
be I suppose have a slight, slight bit of not quite hesitancy but to you know just to you know tread carefully with it but certainly if you get some insights then you go on and maybe try and validate those insights about going after new markets or what should you look for in new markets and if it gives you certain insights you need to just kind of validate those because it, it doesn't say that every answer is going to be perfect or correct but I just think as a tool I think it's very very interesting to see this development it's kind of scary and interesting in equal measure um because it could, I suppose, it does in some ways, you know, think it, it kind of does present the potential to kind of replace people in customer care or, in va- you know, anywhere to be fair that there's a conversation taking place, John, this could be used or where people converse. And that is, in a, you know, almost an infinite amount of kind of uh, instances that it could be used. I just think tread carefully, you know, try and test it, see what it offers you, if it can offer you anything at all. But I definitely think where we've got it, look, the cost of the maintain of maintaining this has been speculated on the price of adding up to three million dollars a day. That's not going to be continually, you know, it's, they're not going to continue to run that and not getting some kind of, you know, payback. So you're going to start seeing some kind of premium or some kind of model, as I said earlier, coming into play sooner rather than later. Uh, but I do think uh, given the kind of, as I say, the kind of the way, you know, the answers that are coming out are so plausible and and uh, and 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 they are lifting from various sets of data um i think it's definitely worth exploring uh try it test it see what you make of it but definitely i think the line in the sand is, has been you know has been has been put in place we are moving to a new dimension and i think it's already started really uh in late november well with that thank you so much for the sage advice paul uh, paul swift head of technology media and telecoms at bank of ireland thank you very much thanks john cheers In our next podcast, Ruth Linden from Phoenix Recruitment talks about how the current economic climate and tech slowdown may yet prove to be an opportunity for Irish SMEs and startups.